Our scripture uh, reading this morning is going to be in Ephesians uh, chapter 4. Uh, our scripture reading actually comes to us from the text that I'm going to be preaching on in just a moment. And so Ephesians chapter uh, 4, beginning in verse 17. If you want to take the pew Bibles that are in front of you, if you've got one that's all solid blue or solid white, that's found, found on page 569. If you've got one that's half white and half blue, it's found on page 600. And 75. And so as we say each week, uh, if you're visiting with us or you know someone that needs a Bible, that's our gift to you. Please take that with you. That's why they're there. And so we'd love for you to take that and read it and and keep it. And so Ephesians uh, chapter four, beginning in verse 17. This is Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord. That you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and you were taught in him, As the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. This is the word of the Lord. If you would pray with me and then we're going to look at that passage together. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've created. Uh, We thank you for the opportunity uh, to gather together as your people. We thank you for your word that you have preserved for us, uh, that we can hear directly from you as your word is read, that we hear the very words of God to us. And so we thank you for that. Uh, We pray this morning that as we open your word and we consider these things, uh, we just confess that we cannot do this without the movement of your Holy Spirit. And so as we just saying that you would fall afresh on this place. Uh, We do pray that you would take the eternal life-giving words that you have preserved for us and that you would shape us and mold us and bring us more uh, into conformity of your image in every area of our life. Uh, That is our prayer this morning as we leave this place, that we would have seen you more clearly, that we'd be growing in our understanding and walking with you in all ways and in all things. Uh, We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I uh, want to start with just uh, a question as we jump back into Ephesians 4. Uh, how many of you have uh, at different times in your life sought to take uh, under, uh, to make some changes to your life, right? Uh, either diet or exercise, different things that you say, no, this year, uh, a lot of times we do this around the beginning of the year, uh, new things I want to add into my life. I'm going to try to eat more healthy, exercise more, maybe do some different things. How many of you have tried that at different times in your life? Pretty much all of us, I think, if we went around the room, said, yes, at different times I'm doing that. And so when we start to do that and we start to try to make, uh, particularly when I think about it, like uh, changes in my diet and what I eat and exercise and those things, it can be very difficult. Uh, Sometimes it can be really hard to to continue to make those changes and really step into that. And I think part of the reason it becomes really difficult when we do that is because we're not just deciding to do some new things, but we have some ingrained habits that already reside in us and the way that we operate and the way we live, the way we eat, the way we exercise or, or we don't exercise or, or whatever that looks like. 
And it's difficult when we begin to make those changes because it's not just I'm going to start something new, but I'm having to put off these old bad habits that have formed in me. And it can be very difficult at different times to do that. And so I, I can remember at different times trying that uh, at a good friend uh, years ago um, that used to go to church here. Uh, some of you may know Chris Keating. He's actually an incredible runner. He does Ironman triathlons. He just uh, ran the Boston Marathon. Right. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of how serious of a runner he is. And I remember meeting with him once and telling him, I'm, I'm trying to run now. I'd go through different phases, usually in the spring and the fall when the weather was nice. I would take up running. And I'd say, I'm starting to run. Yeah, just when the weather's nice. I'm not going to do it when it's hot or when it's really cold. Forget that. But during the nice times. And I remember telling him, I'm starting again. I'm starting to run. And he said, well, just remember this. It's going to be really difficult for three weeks. He said, for three weeks, it takes three weeks for your body to catch up with what's, what you're doing. And so you have these ingrained habits. And he said, what happens is it takes three weeks for your lungs and your heart, your cardiovascular system to start to catch up with what you're doing. He said, so just know it's going to be really terrible for three weeks. And he was right. And it actually helped me greatly as I got up and ran every day. And it was awful. But all of a sudden, right about like three weeks, right in, I've been doing it for three weeks, about the 20th day or so. All of a sudden I got up and I ran like three or four miles and I felt great. And it wasn't bad. And he was right. It takes time because we're putting off those old habits of, in that case, inactivity and starting to run and put on a new habit. And it's difficult at times because we have these old ways of thinking or these old ways of moving or not moving or eating or whatever it may be. And so this morning we're looking in Ephesians four. If you've been with us, we're just making our way through this letter that Paul wrote to the early church in Ephesus. And he's, he's encouraging us to walk out our identity in Jesus and what that looks like. And he's telling us to live in the fullness of the way God's created us to be. And we're this new creation in Christ. And what he's going to say here in Ephesians 4, as we continue to look at that, we're going to pick up where we were last week. He's going to say, put off the old self and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. You're no longer this you're now this in Jesus. And he's telling us, he gives us some very practical help of how we do that. How we don't walk in the ways that we used to walk. That we now walk in the fullness of the way God has designed us to be in Jesus. And so uh, last week we talked about how we can become a believer and we can have this new life in Christ. But then we can continue to, to try to walk just like the rest of the world does. And he warns us of that in verse 17. He says, you're not walking. You, you must no longer walk that way. Don't walk as you don't know Christ in the way that you used to walk. And today he's going to say, you're going to put off that old self and you're going to put on this new self in Jesus and begin to walk that out. And so Paul's been building to this. If you've been with us in, the, in Ephesians, we've just been going through the whole letter. And in chapter two, he talks about how we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked. He's talking about our old self and the way we used to operate and the way we used to walk. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God being rich in mercy has caused you to become alive in Jesus. You're no longer spiritually dead. You're now spiritually alive. And it's what Jesus has done for you, what God has done by his grace and his mercy in your life. And you're a new creation. And he says, you now have the spirit indwelling you. You've come to life. You're this new thing. You get to chapter three and he's praying that we would understand the fullness of what has happened. 
That we'd be strengthened in the depths of our being to understand the love of Christ in our life and what that now means. And then we turn the corner to chapter four and he gets into very practical application. Now that you've gone from death to life, you're now uh, alive in Christ. He says, now walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And he begins to talk about what it looks like to walk in the spirit and to fulfill what God has for you in your life by trusting him in every area of your life, which goes right to the heart of what we always say about discipleship here. We say we have one mission of a church to make disciples who make disciples and discipleship just means being obedient to Jesus in every area of our life under the power and direction of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul's going to help us with what that looks like. And so if you were here last week, what we said and what we were talking about was the ways in which we can continue to walk in our old self. And we we live our life not uh, in tune with who God is. And we seek to fill our mind and our time and the way that we operate with things that aren't pleasing to God or aren't seeking him. But today we're going to talk about how we put that off and we begin to walk in the new. And so if you would look with me, we're really going to camp out and spend our time in verses 22 to 24 there and what Paul says. And so verse 22, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holy holiness. And so this is a real simple outline. First part is going to be how do we put off the old self and then how do we be renewed in the spirit and put on the new self? That's the second part. Right? So just two things there. How do we put off the old and put on the new? How do we begin to live this out in the way that God has designed us to be? And so I want us to think first about putting off the old self, what he says there in verse 22. And just so we're clear, because we've been going through this and this is building in this. As we go through Ephesians and maybe you've missed some weeks or maybe you're visiting this week and you haven't heard any of this. But when we talk about the old self or our fleshly way of living or the way that we lived before God's grace has come into our life and made us alive in Jesus, as he says in chapter two, is that we used to live apart from God and his work in our life and we didn't see him in anything. That's what it means to be spiritually dead. To just see ourselves as the center of the world or just to see the created order is all there is. And that's the way that we used to live before God's grace invades our lives. And so we ignore him and the things we do and the way that we operate. And you get to what Paul says here in chapter four and verse 17, where he says, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And we talked about that last week. It's futility because you're operating in a way, a way that's ignoring the reality of who you are made in God's image, that it's his world and you're created to live that way. And if we ignore the reality of the way things are made and the way that you're made and what you're made for to glorify God, to be in a relationship with him, there's a futility that comes with that. We're, we're misusing everything around us. We're not operating in the way that God created us to operate. But when God's grace comes in and he makes us alive, we're now uh, seeing things that we haven't seen before. We're operating with a new lens. But the hard part is that we're so ingrained in our old way of thinking that it's difficult. 
Just like the things we were talking about of, of eating healthy or exercising or those things. We have been doing it one way for a long time. And then when God invades our life and he begins to bring us to life and he gives us the power and the work of the Holy Spirit, we still have this fleshly way of thinking. And it's ingrained in us and it's difficult to begin to, to exercise and make all those changes. And our default a lot of times is to go back to our old way of thinking. We talked about that last week. There's no neutral. You become a believer and you don't fill your mind with God's word and you don't seek him and you don't get in community and you don't do those things. It's easy just to go back to the way you used to live. And so we want to live out of this new identity, but sometimes it's hard. Uh, I was thinking about uh, some of, you know, uh, about a year and a half ago, I blew my knee up. I mean, like literally my patella tendon broke in half. If you know what that is, it holds the top part of your leg to the bottom part, right? So when you do this, yeah, it did hurt. It did hurt. It was pretty bad. Uh, but when you do this, my leg just did this. If I looked at my foot and said straighten, it just went like that. It did nothing. It was terrible, right? And it was difficult. And what happened is then you have to have surgery to tie it back together. And then they put you in a thing where you can't bend your leg for eight weeks. And so eight weeks of not bending your leg, you begin to compensate. And you begin to walk in a different way and you begin to get into this rhythm of this is if I go down hills, I can't walk straight down a hill. I have to kind of go sideways to protect this leg. And so what happened is, is it healed and it got better and now I could use it. I was kind of afraid to use it. It was like I had forgotten how to use it. And so I went around kind of always favoring my good leg, always doing this. And it took a long time. Here I am 18 months later and I'm just now kind of back to normal. Because I had ingrained these ways of doing that. And so what happens is when we seek to walk in the way that God has called us to walk, we have these habits and these things in our flesh. And as we talked about last week, the world is continually pointing us that God's not really there. We're completely bombarded. So that's why there's no neutral. If you're not seeking the Lord in those things, the world is going to tell you that you don't need him. And he's not there and he's not real and it's not important. And so it's so easy to continue to slip back into that old way of thinking. But I want you to look closely at what Paul says here in verse 22. He says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. I want you to think about what that means, that it's corrupt through deceitful desires. When we think about what corrupt means. The word that Paul chooses to use here means to bring harm or to bring to ruin. It, it, it brings negative consequences. And he says when we walk in these corrupt desires and the ways that we used to walk, I'm sorry, in these deceitful desires, it's corrupt. And what he's talking about is, is there's these desires in us that are part of our sinfulness that are deceitful. I want you to think about what that means, that they're deceiving or they're deceitful. They look like good things. They're deceitful because they're desires that we have in our body and our flesh and in us. And we see those things and we think, yeah, that would be good. And it's deceitful, but it leads to harm or to ruin. And he says, so don't walk that way. But what I want you to consider for just a second is why they're deceitful desires. If we're operating in the old self that I'm the center of all things, I'm ignoring God and the world he created. I'm rebelling against the things God have told me, and I'm doing it just in my own way of thinking. 
When I operate in that way, I take the good things that God has given us and I distort them to be for my own personal pleasure. Do you understand? I'll give you an example, probably one of the most obvious ones. God is the author and creator of sex. Sex is a good thing that God made. It was his idea. And he created it and he made it to work inside the covenant of marriage. One man and one woman committed together in a monogamous relationship for life. And he's created this to flourish and to work and to be enjoyed inside of that covenant for life. That's the way he made it. And so we have physical desires. God made sex not just for intimacy, not just for the two becoming one. He did all these things to bring it together. He made it enjoyable. And so when we're in the corrupt desires, the deceitful desires of our life, we can take sex and see it as something that's made for me to enjoy. And it's all about me and my personal pleasure. The end. It's the way our old self operates. And it's a deceitful desire because sex is actually a good thing that God created that you have a desire for. But when you misuse it, it becomes corrupt. It brings harm and ruin and struggle. And so we do that with all sorts of things in our old way of thinking. We think about these things apart from the way God designed them and created them to be. And that cause all kinds of issues. And they're good things. So God talks about idolatry. Idolatry is taking a good thing and making it an ultimate thing and placing it above God and the way he's designed it. And it brings harm when we do that. And so we could say the same thing uh, about your vocation or your job. I don't know if you realize this, we say this from time to time, but God created work before the fall. The fact that we get up and we work and we do things and we create things. And we help keep order in this world in the way that God designed us to be. That is a good thing. It is a gift of God. Work is a good gift of God. But when we use our deceitful desires for this good gift that God has given us and we seek to get our identity from what we do or what our vocation is, it will bring ruin and harm and struggle. We're misusing it. Your vocation and what you do was never meant to be your primary identity. And so we take these things and we distort them and they bring problems. They bring struggle and corruption. And we could go down the list. We could say the same thing about the way we use money or or the house you live in. It's good to want to have a home to live in and care for your family. But if it becomes a status symbol of who you are because I live in this house, you've missed it. The same could be true not only with just things but people in our life. Your spouse and your children are wonderful gifts that God gives you in your life. It is a great gift of God if he has provided you with a spouse or he has blessed you with children. But if you make your world center around your spouse or your child and that becomes your primary identity in your life, it will become a deceitful desire that leads to corruption and harm and ruin and struggle and all these things. And so Paul says they're deceitful desires. And that's important to consider because as a Christian, we go, why will we go back to the old way of living? Because they're deceitful. Because we think they guarantee or they offer us something greater. But it's not just people and it's not just things. It's also could be attitude and emotions. 
want you to think about, uh, or I think of it this way. I really, really love my children. I greatly love my kids. Uh, of the created order and the things that God has given me in my life, the kids are right there at the top. I love my children. And I want their best. And I want them to know and to love the Lord. And I want them to be taken care of. And I want them to be safe. And I want them to be productive members of society and do well in school and kids not make fun of them at school and all those kind of things that go with it. Normal things that I think a parent thinks. And we love our children. But what happens that can become a deceitful desire when we become so anxious and so worrisome over our children? We put them in a place that they should have never been in, that they're the very center of our life. And they begin to nudge God out of his rightful place of being on the throne. And what happens is these negative emotions come in. And suddenly I become so worrisome about taking care of my kids. And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And I've got to protect them. And I've made them idols in my life. And then suddenly I'm walking around worried all the time about my kids. What if this happens? Or, oh, no. What if they get benched on the soccer team? Right. The things that we get so worried about. And what happens is we've taken this really good desire. And it's become deceitful. And we placed our kids in a place they were never meant to be in. And it causes all sorts of struggle. And so I want you to consider for just a second what that looks like. What does the Bible say about being anxious? Do you know? Yeah, it says nothing. It doesn't say be anxious for nothing except when your kids are involved. And the reason that we struggle with that is because it's a deceitful desire. I love my kids. I love them greatly. They are a good gift that God has given me in my life. And it's normal and right. I think it's the way God's designed us to want to care for them and see them do well. That's not a bad thing. But when we start to twist it to be something that it was never meant to be, we become anxious. And I want you to think about those emotions and those feelings that we have in there, what they're tied to. What are the beliefs that are upholding those things? When I become really worrisome and really anxious over my kids, I can point to that uh, maybe that I want to be in control. Maybe a little bit. Anybody feel that with your children? Want to be in control and do this and do it this way? Absolutely. Or, or, or we think it can it can be tied to uh, I, I know what's best for my kids. And you may. A lot of times you do know better than your children know. But it can also, as it begins to pertain to God, slide into this thing that I don't trust you, God, to be in control, but I need to be in control. And I begin to replace God. A deceitful desire begins to replace him and go, no, no, I'm in control of this. And God, you need to listen to me because this is the way this needs to go. And then when it doesn't go that way, we can start to question, does God really love my children? Or does he really love me? And when those things come up, we're going back to our old way of living. We're going back to the old self. This deceitful desire is now bringing harm and ruin. And we're going back to walking in our old way of walking our old self, which is unbelief. Now, I'm not saying that you're not a believer when you go through that process. 
But we talk about this frequently in our discipleship and our growth at different moments in our life that we are operating from unbelief in this area of our life. Yes, God, I believe you're in control and you're sovereign, just not when it pertains to my kids. Right? We struggle with those things because they're deceitful desires. It's a good desire to want to care for your children. And so Paul says, put that off, put off the old self. Don't be anxious. Put off the old self. Don't seek to get happiness and joy from your life from pursuing sex. Put that off. Put off getting your identity from your wealth or your job or the house you live in and the car you live in. And I'll be honest with you, what often happens when we come up against these things within the church is that's where we stop. Don't do that. Don't be anxious. Don't misuse sex. Don't do these things. Put those off and then we stop. But we don't go to the next step of what Paul says here. Because he doesn't just say put off the old self that belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. All right, now go do that. But oftentimes that's the way we operate in the church. Don't do this and don't do that and don't do that. But what he says is is much fuller than that, because he doesn't say just put off those things. But look at the next thing he says and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You now have the very Holy Spirit indwelling you, the very presence of God with you at all times and always. And you don't see the world like you used to see it. You're now aware that God is real and he's there and he's operating and he's working and he's with you at all times and all ways. And he's teaching you and he's showing you. But there's part of it as as a believer that you're now working with God in that. Now, you're not working for your salvation. You are saved by what Christ does in Christ alone. By grace, you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. But as God becomes to work in you, you now working with him and you're seeking to operate in that way. And so last week, what we talked about is, are you resting that I'm saved and now I'm just going to sit back and lay there and do nothing? And I'm going to fill my mind with what the world says and Netflix and cable news and my phone and video games and all this stuff. And expect that I'm going to be renewed and I'm not going to live in the old way and I'm going to live in my new self. It doesn't work like that. He says, but you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and you don't just listen to what the world says and you don't listen to just the way you feel about things and the way you used to feel about things. Great pastor, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones is a pastor in England for 30 years at the Westminster Chapel. And he used to say, stop listening to yourself and begin to preach to yourself. Stop listening to your emotions and your feelings and your old way of thinking and preach the gospel to yourself. Let God's word begin to come and bear on you. Let it stand over you. Preach the gospel to yourself. And what Dr. Jones was saying was not his own idea. It's what the Bible says over and over. Romans 12, 2. Do you know what that says? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Almost the exact same language he uses here in Ephesians 4. 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Think about what he's saying. Do not be conformed to the world. Right. Conformed just means shaped. So don't let the way you operate and the way you respond and the way you live and the things you give your time and your money and your energy to be shaped by what the world says. Do not be conformed to the world. But then he says, be transformed. And the word he uses there is metamorpho, which we get our word metamorphosis from. Be transformed. And what happens when we think of metamorphosis? Think of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? A caterpillar that was this nasty looking little thing that crawls around on the ground. It becomes this beautiful thing that's something totally different. And that's what he's talking about. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't crawl around in the dirt, but be transformed and fly in this way. That sounds really cheesy. Should go on a mug. Right? You weren't created to crawl, but fly or something like that. If you make that mug and you get a million dollars, you got to like take me to lunch or something. But be transformed. That's what it means. Right. You go from this thing to this thing in Jesus, in Christ, with the Holy Spirit now in you. You're not this anymore. So quit walking that way. That's what he says in verse 17. We looked at last week. Don't walk that way anymore. Put off your old self. Through the renewing of your mind and the spirit, as God works in you, as you spend time in his word, as you spend time in community with other believers, what he begins to do is he begins to reveal those deceitful desires. He teaches you and shows you and shapes you. And instead of being conformed by the world, you're being transformed by the word of God through the Holy Spirit in community in the way he's designed us to be. And so don't live like this. But now begin to walk in this newness of who you are in Jesus and what he's done for you. And you become aware of those different things in your life. And it's important that we do this in community. We talked about this two weeks ago. Being able to speak the truth to one another in love. We're talking about someone who's willing to tell you when you have a booger on your face. It's important to have in your life that people would say the truth to you. And here's part of what I want you to see here is what he's saying. And this is all part of his argument. They're deceitful desires. They're things that are blind spots for you at different times. And you go, man, I am anxious over my kids and it's because I love them so much. And so what we do is we continue to make excuses of why we're not trusting God to be sovereign. And it's a deceitful desire. And we need people to speak the truth to us and love and point us to the great promises of who God is and what he's done and why he's in control. And they're deceitful because it's easy to fall into that. So it doesn't mean you walk around telling people how bad they are or what they're doing wrong. You speak the truth in love. And we put off our old self and we be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And so when we become aware of the old self, right, as the spirit is revealing that, as other people are speaking truth in that, as we're spending time in God's word. And those things are coming up that I'm really, really anxious. I'm really anxious over my children. I begin to put that off. I put off that I need to be in control, which, by the way, you're not in control. If you didn't know that. 
hate to break that for you, but you're not in control. It's just an illusion that we try to operate in sometimes. You're not in control. The sooner we recognize that, the better. Because you're not in control and you never had control to begin with. But we begin to lay that down. We put down this idea that comes from the old self that it's all about me and I'm the center of the world and I'm in control. No, I'm not. And so put that off. Put off the idea that God's forgotten you and he doesn't want your best. Put off that you know better what your kids need than what God needs or God sees their needs are. And we begin to lay down the old self. And then we be renewed in the transforming of our minds. We preach the truth to ourselves. The gospel comes to bear in God's word through the Holy Spirit in community. One another as we encourage each other in that. And we remind one another what is true. That you are a beloved child of God and he has gone to great lengths to redeem you. And he loves you more than you possibly could fathom. That he's not forgotten about you, that he knows exactly what you're going through and he's right there with you in your suffering at every moment and he never leaves you. And he never forsakes you. And there's nothing that comes into your life that he cannot redeem for your good and his glory. And so you put off these old ways of thinking and you be renewed by the Spirit as he works in you and he takes his eternal word and he shapes and he forms you. Instead of being conformed to the world, you're transformed by what God has done for you in Jesus. And when anxiety rushes in, you don't listen to your old self, but you preach to yourself. You put on the new self. So what does the Bible say about being anxious? A couple of you said it. Be anxious for nothing. You know what Jesus says about being anxious? You can go read it. In Matthew chapter 6, in the middle of his sermon on the mound, he says, don't be anxious for anything. And then the next thing he says, consider the birds in the air and the lilies on the field. And don't you know that I take care of them? They exist because he says so, because he is caring and watching over them and they're there. And he says, the birds don't worry about storing up food and I provide for them. And then he says, don't you know I love you? that much more. And he says, so seek my kingdom and all these things will be taken care of. He says, you make me the center of your life. You put on the new self and you follow me and I've got you in all of this. And I want you to think about the way Jesus says it, because there's such a continuity of scripture. God inspires Paul to write this, put off the old self, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on your new self. Do you hear what Jesus says? Don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Put that off. But then he says, consider, consider the birds. Consider the the lilies in the fields. Be transformed. Think through what I'm telling you and then put on this newness. You seek me in all things and I will take care of it. See how that works? We don't just put this off, but we be transformed and then we put on the new and we begin to live that out. Same thing Paul says in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything. Put off your anxiety. Lay that down. That's not part of who you are now in Christ. He's got you in everything. But then listen to the next thing he says. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious for anything. Put that off and now seek me. Talk to me about it in prayer and in supplication. Live a life in thanksgiving to God and what he's done for you. Put on these things. And so it's not easy to put off the old way of thinking. But God meets you in the middle of that. He's given you the spirit that bears witness to who he is and what he's done. And it comes to bear in your life. And he's teaching you and he's showing you and he's working in that. And as you trust him and you make those steps and I'm going to now put on these new things. He does that. He does the work. And it's by his grace through faith. You're clinging to him and he he begins to transform you. And so I'm going to end there this morning. I'm kind of terrible at endings as we're going through these passages, right? Because we're going to pick up and he's going to give us a bunch of examples of what this looks like right after this. And we'll pick that up next week. But the continuity of Scripture is so wonderful in the way God speaks. He really does change you. He really does meet you in his word. And he transforms you. And this week I was reading and I was thinking on this a lot. And I just happened to be reading through Jeremiah right now. And God's speaking to the prophet Jeremiah and go to these people uh, that are whoring after other nations and gods. That's what he says over and over. It's a pretty vivid analogy he uses with Old Testament prophets. They're unfaithful to me, God says, over and over. But in chapter three, there's this verse that just jumped off the page at me this week. And he says, go to them that are that are away from me and they're not loving me and they're not following me. And he says, you tell them, return, O faithless sons. I will heal your faithlessness. What? Do you hear that? You put off your old self. You be renewed in the transforming of your mind. You confess the areas you're not believing and God meets you in the middle and he heals your faithlessness. How awesome is that? That when I struggle and I want to believe the old ways and I want to go back to deceitful desires and I come before the Lord and I put off those things and I be renewed that he says, I will heal your faithlessness. That God is so gracious and kind that he is at work to transform us to his image. He who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion. And so we partner with him in this. And so I asked you last week to think about where you are spending your time. What are you filling your mind with? What are the things that you're seeking? What's, what's fueling your affections? And so I just encourage you today, we're going to have lunch in the after the service in just a few minutes, would that be part of our conversations? What did you find when you look at your time and how you spend it? What are some ways or some things that we need to put off and now put on and be renewed? And how are we going to help one another to do that? God's given us this great charge as a family of faith to help each other in that. And we get to do that together. May that be the way that we operate, the way we make disciples who make disciples as we do that together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the glorious good news of the gospel. We thank you that you have brought us from death to life, that by grace we have been saved and it is not our doing, but it is yours. And we thank you for these things. 
But we also thank you that you haven't left us as we are, but you've given us your very Holy Spirit, the person and work in our life to transform us. We pray that we would be aware of the things that you're leading us to. We pray that we would listen to your leading in our life, that we would take these things under the word, that we would move in community with one another to encourage each other in this, and that we would continue to put off the old self and live more and more fully in what you've created and designed us to be in Jesus. We thank you that you don't leave us where we are, that you continue to pursue us and you continue to conform us to your image. We pray that we would be faithful in that pursuit in the years that you give us. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.